are listening to a Called Collective podcast, where we seek to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. To learn more about The Called Collective, visit our website at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. Welcome to episode two of the Coffee and Calling podcast with Dan and Griff. We are so excited to be back with you guys this week for our second episode. And uh, like last week, uh, we have a co-host with us. And will you introduce yourself real quick? I'm Hallie. It's good to be back. I'm starting to feel like like I'm part of the show, even though I'm not really. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have you on sometime after yeah. this. Don't worry. Normally, you know, I'm the you know. assistant. I help. It's almost like when you t- when you tell a friend, like, "Yeah, we'll get coffee sometime." Yeah. Like, get it, coffee. Oh my gosh. Good one, Dan. I'm doing good this morning. Mm-hmm. Well, now, uh, our guest for today is also my normal co-host, the whoop, Motown whoop. fiend, Griffin Harris. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. This coffee cup is empty. I finished all my coffee in the pre-show. <laughs> Oh my gosh! The reason I the reason I said Motown is that something people need to know about Griffin is this man can grow a mustache like it's nobody's business. No, I can't. (laughs) No, I grew it out last. I was growing it out starting like a few weeks ago because I was going to be Nacho Libre for Halloween. (laughs) My my beautiful wife was going to be the nun that is a Nacho's love interest. That would have been awesome. Um, But I'm too skinny to play Nacho Libre. My hair is is right, but uh, I got a haircut too, so that really wouldn't have worked out. And then I was going to stay strong with the mustache. That was the one thing I was going to keep going strong. And then I snapped my little brother. I said, is the stash trash or not? And he's a senior in high school. Or he's a junior. Um, and he screenshotted it, put it on his Instagram story, <laughs> and then blocked me from seeing the poll for a little while. And it just said, uh, once I had access to it, because... My wife told me about it because some of her cheerleaders saw it on his snap on his Instagram story. So I was like, "Dude, you blocked me from seeing my own stash poll." That's awesome. And he gave me access, and like eighty percent of the vote said it was trash and to shave Aww. it. Disheartening. That's um, so I just trimmed it. Haters, haters, they are man. High schoolers are dirty rats. You know why? They, you know why they're, they're mad? Not. I love them. <laughs> you know why they're mad? Because they just can't grow facial right. hair yet. Oh, no. They're just jealous. I apologize to all I of rebuke. you listening who are just trying your best. Some of you, I'm sure you can. <laughs> I know multiple high schoolers who grew killer facial hair. Yep. I'm still growing facial hair like I'm in sixth grade. So that's the sad part. <laughs> the Lord still loves you. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad God's love doesn't depend on uh, how good facial my facial hair, hair is. <laughs> well, Griffin, uh, we're going to start out uh, with our first question, before getting into your calling, we want to ask you a really special question that well, for anybody listening, this will become a theme of the first question we will always ask our guests. Uh, this is something we kind of came up with after, um, the episode last week. So Griffin, really important question since this podcast is about coffee. Also, if you were to have coffee with one person in the Bible, other than Jesus, who are you having that fresh brew with? I know this is going to sound crazy. The first person who came to my mind was Pontius Pilate. Wow. Because I want to know like what this guy's thinking was after the crucifixion. Because it's obvious like in some of the narratives, he didn't do everything he could have mm-hmm. to avoid it, True. to avoid crucifying Jesus. And I'm glad he didn't. Because uh, without the crucifixion, 
wouldn't be here right now. Amen. I mean, we, we might mm. be here, but we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be in right view. standing with God. That's true. Um, but there, I mean, there's certain parts in this in the gospel narrative where he seems like he's like, I really don't want to do this. He's like, I really don't want to. You've not done a thing wrong. I don't. I can't see any legal reason to crucify you. Mm. And then he lets it happen anyways and goes through with it. And I want to know, like, if he had any encounter with the gospel after the ascension. And if there was like a, a moment for him, if he had a come to Jesus moment, like, you know, pro, like following the resurrection of the ascension, if he was like, well, screwed that up. I better, I better believe in this, in this Jesus guy and repent of my sins. And I'm just very curious on if that could have been a possibility or not. Mm-hmm. So, or even like his relationship with his wife. Cause it talks about in the passages about his wife coming up to him and like talking with him and sharing with him. Um, just that, Probably. And you see in the movie, the passion depicts this really well, but mm-hmm. just like her approaching him and like what happened with them after that and everything. It's, it's all, yeah, that's a really, mm. well, that's a cool story. Cause she has the dream mm-hmm. that, that they're not supposed to kill G or he's not supposed to be responsible for Jesus's death. And so that's just another example of how the Lord uses people who are not in him quite yet. But like you said, like maybe they did, maybe they had a come to Jesus moment. Eventually. Cool It'd be a nice conversation to have over coffee. Yeah. So, <laughs> man, how do you put Jesus to death? And then he rose and walked around, you know, he rose again and 500 people saw him walking around. What's going through your head? What do you mean? There's nobody in the tomb. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> You're, You're pulling it. my leg. <laughs> You're pulling my leg. Yep. Drake, where's the door? <laughs> For anybody that knows Drake and Josh references, there Heck you go. Yes. There it is. Well, Griffin, as the, the show Coffee and Calling says, we would love to hear about your calling today. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about that. Um, I'll do, I guess I'll just dial it back and start kind of, I guess, uh, go all the way back to the beginning birth so Normally where people start okay okay <laughs> give me a break this is this is number two this is the second trial run uh so the main reason i stayed a christian and like even stayed associated with church at all not just being called into ministry is because my grandma made sure i was at church on sundays mm. that was she was the one who made sure i was in there um, early on in my life, my mom was a drug addict and my dad was an alcoholic. So they weren't getting me to church. Um, so my grandma would come and either pick me up or I'd be at her house on a Saturday night, every single Sunday I'd be in church. Mm. Um, and that continued all the way up through middle school, high school, even after my dad sobered up and he started going to church again. I still went to church with my grandma at, um, first Baptist church in Frankfurt. That's where I go now. Um, it's where I've been going the last 22 years. Um, and it's kind of thanks thanks to that church particularly um, that I've had this relationship with Jesus be so fruitful anyways because wow. we would, you know, yearly go to church camp every single year. And that was the thing I looked forward to from kindergarten up every single summer. Um, kindergarten was just a day camp, but like I couldn't wait to go back. And the last few years when I was camp eligible, I'd actually be cabin leader for um, the lower age groups and stuff like that. That's awesome. Um, and then like my dad, he always would, he'd, he'd always talk to me. He had had two dreams for me, two things that 
you kind of either saw one happening or the other. And for people who can't, who don't know how tall I am, you, you can't tell from the video either. So it's audio and, and video listeners. Um, I'm six foot six, so I'm very tall. Uh, and my dad would always say that he's, he said, you're either going to be a pastor or you're going to play college basketball. I don't know why one or the other, both <laughs> could have happened if why I took basketball both? a little more seriously. Um, but didn't take basketball super seriously. Um, and I really didn't take being a pastor seriously. Like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. I was like, just because that's what you wanted to be when you were at IWU for one year doesn't mean that that's what I want to be. Mm. And I was like, think I was like, I'm gonna, I want to do a job where I can make money and have a better childhood than I had. Give my kids a better childhood than I had here. Not that my childhood was bad. I never really wanted for anything, but like, I want to make sure, like, yeah, kids, we're taking the boat out this weekend. Like that was kind of what I had in mind. Yeah. Um. So all through high school, I I consider like sophomore year, I think I was considering um, engineering, and then junior year, I was sitting there thinking, oh man, maybe I'll be uh think I was thinking about going to a military academy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, maybe I'll go to West Point or I'll go to the Air Force Academy. Um, and I never actually pursued anything like that. And then fall semester, senior year, I was wanting to do, I think, something with economics or finance. Because mm. like stocks are still something I'm kind of interested in. Um, I actually, last year in January, I uh, invested a little bit. It was Kind of like, it wasn't like super risky. I didn't have anything really I had to pay for. So it was like money I made over Christmas break. I was like, hey, I'm going to play with this. And I doubled my money in two months, which is unheard of. But it was like, it was pretty risky. It was on like Dogecoin. Like I made like 500 oh, okay. bucks oh, off Dogecoin yeah. I I was about to in say, like two yeah, days. Put money into GameStop one time. And I did boom, do that. Oh my AMC. gosh. I didn't, I missed AMC because I got spooked. But I did. I made money off GameStop. So... You know, I made, I'm, I took some hits and lo- hit, hits and losses here too. Anyways, still kind of like a side thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is crazy, but it's super interesting. And it's like, I still like invest a little bit in like my retirement account, but that's like hands off. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm still interested in stuff like that, but obviously it's not going to be my career right now. Mm-hmm. If I'm in my master's for ministry at this point. <laughs> um, but uh, just that senior year of high school, I went to um, Passion. It was me and the youth, same youth group I'd been a part of for middle school and up. Me and the one other guy that had always been in the youth group. There were a few others that came and went, but um, you were started, the faithful. We were the faithful too, and I didn't like him at first because he stole all my other church friends from me. They oh. all thought he was super Ooh. cool. Yeah, so eventually we ended up being tight. He, I was his best man at his wedding. He was then my he stole, best man. Then he stole your friendship. Yeah, he stole my. Oh, he stole my stole friendship. His stole your heart. <laughs> So we go to Passion, and I remember very clearly, it was Christine Kane, and she was talking about uh, Moses and how Moses was never referred to as as a servant of the Lord until after he died. And she started talking about how all of these um, big biblical figures in the Old Testament were always referred to as servants of the Lord. And that was one of the greatest uh, commitments or commendations. That's what I was thinking of. One of the greatest commendations that... God would give someone in the Old Testament was to say, call them a servant of the Lord. And that concept was just sitting in my head for the rest of that weekend, the rest of that drive home, I'm just being a servant of the Lord, being a servant of the Lord. And eventually we get back into Indiana. Um, About a week goes by. We come back for youth group again the next Sunday. And it's just me this time. It's just me me and youth pastor Doug. Um, And... I was like, 
I was like, I think, I think I feel called into ministry. And we kind of explored it a little bit, not really super in depth. Um, cause he, he wasn't paid for it. Uh, it was just like, I mean, it was just me and this other guy. So it wasn't a full-time position. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so he really didn't know how to help me too, too much in that. Um, I talked to his dad, who was the head pastor at the church a few times. Um, but it was still kind of just this like, well, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then I jumped back to the econ and finance idea in the spring semester. Um, and I was kind of through taking econ. Like it just seemed super interesting. It seemed super practical. I liked econ a lot. I liked, it was like, oh, so this is how the, the market's affected, supply and demand, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. It's something that's always going to be necessary. That was what my thinking was. Um, so I applied. I got into IU. I got into Butler. Just missed out on Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Wasn't smart enough. <sighs> Not only that, but it's about 75 grand a, a, year, a year to go there. What did you really miss out on? <sighs> I think I missed out on having $200,000 in debt probably. <laughs> so I was sitting there thinking like, yeah, and I also applied to Anderson. Mm. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to go to IU or Butler. I'm going to study finance. That's what was popping in my head. And I forget why, but I ended up taking a campus visit to IWU. And um, we ran into Roger Alcock, mm. who's Charlie's brother. Um, and I think he was associated with the basketball team at one point when my dad was here. So he knew my dad because um, my dad was on the basketball team in the 90s before they were like super good and stuff. And he, he <laughs> left after his first year. Um, but Ro- Roger remembered him. And the funny thing it was, is we were in the campus uh, bookstore and Roger saw me walking around. He's like, kind of gave me a, that guy looks familiar mm-hmm. kind of a look. And he's like, Hey, what's your name? And walked up and I was like, Oh, I'm Griffin Harris. And my dad was like, he's, he, he was looking at stuff over somewhere else. And he peeked over. He's like, Roger, so he Roger comes over there, start talking, um, kind of chopping it up, catching up. Mm-hmm. And Roger takes us on this whole crazy campus tour, takes us back to the basketball locker rooms. I had I was not good enough to play. <laughs> um no Kyle Mangus. My dad always wanted me to try to walk on. <laughs> if I really cared enough, maybe I could have. I, yeah. I, I don't want to speculate too much because they're really good. But it wasn't like the days when your dad was playing. No, Couldn't and I like my on. free time. I, I didn't care enough to want to spend <laughs> the student athletes. Yeah, I was like, man, I'm just gonna do my homework, sitting on this couch with my buddies. I'm not gonna go run suicides right now. That's fair. Hey, so we go take a tour back in the locker rooms, go all around campus, like the secret tour is what it felt like. It was like I was getting like a VIP treatment, and then we go and eat, and all the staff are super kind to me. And every staff member I ran into on campus here was just so kind and compassionate. And I was like, okay, I think this is where I want to go, actually. So I was mm. like, maybe they have a finance program. I looked into it. They did. Um, but I never registered for classes or anything like that yet. And then I come to registration and uh, I'm looking around and I start talking to Eddie. And I felt like, yeah, I felt like I kind of called it a ministry. And he's like, and he just really affirmed that and got me like pre-registered for like CM classes. <laughs> and um, rushing into it like that kind of like without knowing what I was getting into was a bad idea in some circumstances, but like a blessing in some. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't know what I was getting into. 
Um, and I was registration was in like June and then August rolls around and my mom dies of a heroin overdose mm. in 2017. Uh, and that was very, very difficult. We weren't, I mean, we were super close. Like I look back on like photo albums and stuff when we were, when I was a kid, kid and we were super close. Like I loved it to death. And then probably when I was about 12 years old, like a, a flip switched or a switch flipped. That's what I meant to say. And I think I was just angry mm-hmm. um, because she was, I didn't understand how drug addiction worked and um, I didn't understand it like, it was like a disease mm-hmm. in a sense. Yeah. And it took me a really long time to finally get over that anger and accept that like, she did love me and she wasn't choosing drugs over me on purpose. Mm-hmm. It was something that was out of her control. And I think a part of that all kind of, ended up causing a lot of insecurity with me. Mm. Um, Cause even to this day, I, I struggle with a lot of doubt and spiritual uh, warfare. Dan, I messaged you about that the other day. Like mm-hmm. I was going through it. Yeah. I was down bad. <laughs> Brother, you were down bad for a lot of different reasons. I was down you bad know, for more reasons than sick. spiritual. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, I go through, I go through college constantly just, I'm like, okay, I already started this program. It's like, I have to, I have to keep going. I've already, you know, I already signed up for Kern at this point. Yeah. I don't know how I got through it. I think it was kind of had to do with like NHS and going to leadership conferences and stuff in high school. So I go through all this stuff and, and take all these classes. I'm learning, I'm growing spiritually. And I believe that I was called most of the time. Well, all the way through that, like consistently, it was just this like doubt, like, no, you're not. Mm. He's like, you're wasting your time. I'm like, look, they, they know way more about you or way, way more than you do. They're going to be way better in ministry. Like, why are you wasting your time with this? Or they're way more caring. They're way more outgoing than you are. What you think you're going to make it in ministry? Like you're an introvert. Mm. Like you're, you're, you're way too introverted to be good in ministry. Like wow. you, you, you're really bad at reaching out to people. Mm. So that was, those thoughts were like very prevalent. And eventually what helped me overcome a lot of those doubts most of the time was just number one, like being more open with what I was going through and like what the doubts were in my mind and just telling people because like I told you, Dan, like I know you're not going to like judge me or anything. Like everybody has doubts. It's part of being a human being, you know, Mm -hmm. whether you're called or not or whether you're, everybody's called, we, we like to say that, but whether you're called into vocational ministry or not, everybody's going to have doubts about something at some point. Mm-hmm. And keeping people close who can speak life into you when you're experiencing those moments of doubt is key to surviving mm-hmm. and to carrying on in ministry, whether it's as a student or whether that's, um, you know, in vocational ministry. I was talking to a friend and He's a year older than I am, two like physical years older than you guys, but he's in the other cohort. And something that has been bothering him a lot is like numbers in his youth group. He's a full-time youth pastor at a church in Ohio. Yeah. And he's he's very concerned about numbers and, and boosting numbers. He's kind of rebuilding mm-hmm. this youth group from the ground up. And uh, me being there to speak life into him the same way he spoke life into me more times than I can count in undergrad when I was feeling doubts or I was feeling anxious about my call. 
I could see it physically make a difference and like, and hear it in his voice and hear the kind of difference that makes. Mm -hmm. And it's really kind of like, it speaks to the community that we need to have together. And I think that's kind of like what I've learned through the current program is that like, that's why we have that network. Yeah. So that you can text people, Hey, I'm discouraged. Or Hey, I'm, I'm having doubts right now. And you talked about like spiritual warfare with like in that, especially like within our calling and everything that's like, that goes on. And one thing about the enemy is that the enemy's language is lies. Like Mm -hmm. it's that lies are the language of the devil. So like you, when we lie, we speak like the devil. Um, It's very like, I, I remember doing a sermon on it. I did a sermon called like clout Christianity. It's about pretty much people that lie about their spiritual lives, people that lie about what's going on. And we think that we're presenting ourselves as godly people, but we're actually just lying. So we're actually presenting ourselves more like the devil than we are God. Um, And going in with that is that there's a lot of lies that get spoken against us. Like your friend that you talked about, like, lying against like oh because you have small numbers that means you're not a good youth pastor Mm -hmm. or even for you as you've just been talking about um almost like these lies of being able to handle it all or being able to you know because you're introverted like do you have the personality for like ministry and everything and a lot of those have to do with like our performance and whether we're going to have the capabilities and we don't give ourselves enough grace early on of saying that, hey, we're still learning this stuff. Mm-hmm. We're still growing. There's going to be introverted kids in our youth group. There's going to be people with our personalities or also people that um, need to see what it's like to be a believer from this so they can also know how their friends think. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of things that it can do. And kind of my like question within that is as you've had like truth be spoken over to you, I mean, you kind of just shared your story about a lot of things happening where you got really close to like, you know, this calling moment. And then it was almost like things would happen in your life that almost point to like, nah, like you need to go the other way. Um, How have you continued to seek the Lord's face? And what I'm trying to ask is based off of Colossians three, it says we look towards heavenly things and not earthly things. So while all these earthly things sometimes have been coming against you, how have you kept your eyes on heavenly things with your calling? I think uh, just by remembering what God's done for me in the past to like not only reaffirm that calling, but just to keep me on the uh, straight and narrow. Um, Because like I said, the beginning, like my dad was an alcoholic. My mom was a drug addict um, raised by grandparents. Like usually that's like a recipe for disaster. I mean, I don't know the statistics, but I can't imagine they'd be saying like, it'd be a high likelihood that I'd be sitting here getting my, master's degree, Mm. um, let alone that I'd be pursuing a career in ministry. And I think that that, uh, looking back and just seeing God's sovereign hand on my life all the way through. Mm. And there, sure there were times when I slipped up when, like when I wasn't taking God seriously in early high school, drank a couple of times, did some other things like God still had his sovereign hand on me, Mm. still was steering me in the direction he wanted me to go. And remembering that in times of doubt, when I'm faced with those distractions or when I'm faced with those kind of attacks, um, is what typically helps to get me through. It's what typically um, keeps me focused on heavenly things, like you said, yeah, um, and on God's sovereignty and on His ultimate control over 
you know, the circumstances in my life that have kind of helped me out um, to stay on, to not focus so much on the earthly things mm. because I know that those are evil mm. and I know that God is good. Come on. So um, holding that tension and that distinction in my head that if it's not good, it's not from God. That's mm. something I constantly tell myself. If it's not good, it's not from God. Good. And it took me like, I think it was just two or three nights ago. I, was, I couldn't go to sleep. I just was laying there like, man, am I, is this going to be sustainable? Hmm. Um, devil's devil was whispering is anything you can think of in my head to try and yeah. keep me from getting a good night's sleep, mm-hmm. um, to keep me from being confident in who God's called me to be and what God's called me to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I just thought back kind of like in Nehemiah when they recount their journey to where they are now recounting God's faithfulness. That's what I do when I'm faced with those times of doubt is just recount God's faithfulness and retell my story to myself. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, it's like that trusting in God's character and what he's done before. And then that speaks into who you are Mm -hmm. because you've been created in his image. It's really good. Mm -hmm. And you've shared, um, kind of like against all odds, essentially you're sitting here pursuing ministry as a, in a master's program, what would you say um, to yourself in high school, but also to high schoolers who are sitting in a similar position of, you know, whether they're being told they can't do it or they're putting that on themselves or, you know, churches, whoever is just making them feel like ministry is against all odds. What would you say to those kids? Um, that God values things way differently than we value things in our, in our flesh, in our sin. We value success and we value wealth and status, but it's not fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Um, serving God's hard. Sometimes it feels impossible. Uh, I think I, I'm doing a study right now on Zechariah seven through eight. Are you guys doing the same passage for Exilic Lit? Yeah. Yeah. What's yeah. it? What's it? What's it say? Um, just because it seems impossible for you, like so, then should it also seem impossible for me? That's mm. God speaking through Zechariah. Very rhetorical. Yeah. <laughs> Packed with rhetorical questions in that little <laughs> spot there, but stuff like that that I, I just remember, like it's God. Yeah. Like you really think it's impossible with God, and and. I don't, I don't care what, I mean, I care what your circumstances are, but I don't care what your circumstances are. God can work through those circumstances. Mm -hmm. And in the end, his voice is the one that's the most important. Um, because I had some family who were like, don't go into ministry, man. Like at least get a double major in business. At least have Mm -hmm. a backup plan. The safety net. At least have a safety net just in case you don't want to do it. Mm. And I think that was like satanic, like, the devil is definitely working through those people get to try and keep me. me, get thee behind me, Satan. And it, take, it took me a little bit to figure that out. Like even well-meaning voices in your life can be satanic. Yeah. Um, and they can truly be of the devil and it takes discernment. So you need to, uh, what's it say? In uh, Philippians one, Paul prays that the Philippians may abound in love more and more growing on all in knowledge and all discernment. Um, and I guess that's what I pray for anybody who's listening, who is questioning their call to ministry. 
is questioning whether it's sustainable, is questioning whether the voices you hear are from God or if they're just from the evil one. I pray that your love may abound more and more, both for God and for the people around you, and that you may grow in knowledge and all discernment so that you may know what is excellent. And it's, it's not that those people speaking against it are, you know, from Satan themselves. No, but no. no oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. not what you're saying. No. But, yeah. like, Satan can use their flesh. Oh, he and, can use them without them even knowing. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, in the moment, I mean, when you look at the passage that we just talked about, Peter is looking at Jesus and saying, no, you're not going to be crucified. Mm. Because it, in his head, that wasn't what the Savior that was going to be. Right. They, they were looking at such like, oh, he's going to. We're going to be, we're going to take back over Rome. It's going to be like our land. It's going to be this glorious thing. So Peter is saying out of a way of like, almost just like, no, Lord, like this is the way we've been told you're wrong. But that is the way that from a worldly perspective of the way it would have gone. But God flips it upside down and says, no, like I'm going to come serve. I'm going to come die so that my people may come together and be unified in this I always butcher this word, eschatological. Eschatological. There we go. (laughs) In that sense. And there's this beautiful thing of where like Peter right there, he has to say, get behind me, Satan. Because what he's saying is like, you're trying to tell me I'm wrong from a worldly basis. Mm. So you need to get behind me because I can't carry that. Mm. The kind of like something I've had to grow up and learn more about is like, so, so like I love America. I love being an American, but the consumerist mindset where it's like the more money you have, the more stuff you have, mm. the happier you'll be and the more successful you'll be successful. Like on who defines what success is like, just yeah. be, like how much stuff you can have at home to mm. occupy all your time and mental capacity. So you can't focus on your family or anything else. Mm. So trying to grow up and with discernment, realize that God's view, exists, God's view of success is very different from what we think success is. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what, what does Jesus say? Foxes have their holes, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Yep. It's like, man, we want these big houses. We want, you know, $60,000, $70,000 salaries mm-hmm. and two, two three-car gar- three garages with five, six-bedroom homes with a pool in the back. And that's like pastors who want those things sometimes. I'm not going to like, I'm not going to say I I don't, I wouldn't like to live a comfortable life, but Jesus was homeless for some of his ministry. Yeah. And what John the Baptist lived out in the, out in the wild eating locusts and wild honey with camel hair clothes. And what's Jesus say? Uh, Among, among those born of women, there's been no one greater than John the Baptist. That's a paraphrase. That's my translation. But it's the Griffin ESV. The, yeah, the GSV. <laughs> the GSV. I just, it, it, it takes a lot of prayer to try and be, like to try and like sit with that mindset mm. and to be okay with that and, and, and give that assent. Yeah. Like, God, I'm okay if you want me to be homeless. And like, actually, it's one thing saying that and it's, it's another thing to actually mean that and be okay with it in your mm. heart of hearts. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that's like the very difficult part is like, what if God does call you to do homeless ministry? Yeah. And I'm not saying you have to be homeless to do homeless ministry, but sends you to a context where 
it's defined by poverty and you're not going to have the comforts that you had in America. You're just going to say, well, sorry, God. I mean, I guess you could, you could be like Jonah if you want. You can say, nah, no, I don't want to, you know, be disobedient. You'll reap what you sow, I guess. But, um, growing in faith and trust that no matter what God calls me to or where he sends me, that I'd be okay with it. Mm. And it's truly praying for an alignment of my will with his will. I guess it's more the elimination of my will. Yeah. yeah. Um, or at least until my will becomes indistinguishable from his, that mm. uh, he'd like yank me yeah. over in line with what he's trying to do if I need it, because I can be pretty stubborn sometimes. Yeah, That crucifixion of the flesh. It's hard doing that daily. That's something I've been thinking about is like, like dying to yourself daily. Like how, how do you get, it takes so much discipline and like love for Christ to wake up and do that every single morning and say like, I'm dead, you know, and I'm dead. Like it is no longer yeah. I who live, but Christ who lives in me and having that um, kind of spirit in you all the time. I can't, I, I know I'm not doing it right now. I know I'm not, consistently doing that and it's like i want to though and like that's is just staying in prayer that's another thing i guess i bringing it back to the original question pray come on pray 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 if if you're confused about what to do whether it's something as simple as you know a math test pray come build on. that habit of no matter what you're doing you're doing it to god's glory yeah because then no matter what you do you can't do anything wrong mm-hmm. that's good no matter what your work is, if you're doing it to God's glory, it's ministry. Um, grow in discernment, grow in prayer. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So before we ask uh, what we're going to like, just pray for you for and everything. Um, this just kind of came to mind as we were sitting here, but I think this would be really good if we did this at the end of our podcast, but for our guests um, and just in general is that, we want to do a time of just like affirmation based off of like what you've told us and everything. And um, this is really on the spot for anybody listening. So Hallie, if you want to think of something, sure. um, uh, just a time that we can just affirm you and your call and just things we've noticed that God has done in your life. Um, for the, for, for you, Griffin, the thing I really loved about just hearing like your calling story is just how like much like it wasn't so clean cut that there weren't these like nuances of like sometimes like you've tried to refine it or shape it to make it look really clean and do all the nuances. But like you authentically said, yeah, this is what it is. And like, it seems like ever since you had that moment um, at an early age, like uh, at passion, it's just been this kind of like going uphill, downhill fight for like that. And through all the doubts and through all the worries, but all through the moments of joy and the moments of coming mm-hmm. to Iwoo um, these great moments really going through the highs and lows of life. And it's been like, am I called into ministry? No, of course I am. Did I go into this too quickly? Do I really know what I'm about? Um, wow. this is amazing and everything. Um, a lot of people, we, we, a lot of times talk about the highs when we share our testimonies or we share these big moments in our life, but it just seems like with your calling story, there's just this continuation of, God keeping you steady mm-hmm. through it all. Um, I think the verse that comes to mind, this is my life verse. I probably think of this verse or read this verse every day, but in the words of John the Baptist in John three thirty, he says, I must decrease so he may increase. Mm-hmm. And Griffin, you really, and I know you personally, 
And even just from your story, though, you live a life of many times where you've had to come to the point where you say, do I need to decrease right now? So he needs to increase. Um, and that's, and I think you are a great example of that. And I think as you go into your ministry, no matter if you're introverted or you might be not the sharpest in certain abilities, that type of humble spirit, if you notice what it says, you become less and he becomes more. And where he becomes more, the, the sky's the limit. Mm-hmm. Nothing's, nothing is too wonderful yeah. for God. Um, so I just, I'm excited for, to hear about what happens for you in ministry. And as you go forward, because I think you're gifted, I think you're called and I think you're a servant Mm -hmm. to go back to your story is Mm -hmm. you've be, you, yeah, you've become that servant. Thank you. Thank you. It means a lot. No, it it is a battle, but I'm excited to move forward too. Yeah. Yeah. Griffin, as I get to know you, 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 you're hard to get to know at first, for sure. That's We've had purpose. classes together <laughs> for four years, and I was like, oh, man, Griffin, I told you this earlier, Griffin is so cool, so but cool. he never talks in class, and I never know. If you actually know me, I'm not so, that cool. He's a mystic. No, he's pretty cool. <laughs> um, but just even through, like, hearing your story today and, and you talking about your faith journey and, and your wife's faith journey and just how you have stayed so faithful to the Lord and, again, saying against all odds, where it just seems like it doesn't make sense. Um, I think it's such a beautiful testimony of the power of the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. and the way that you have allowed him to soften your heart over and over and just dying to yourself. Like you said, it's not easy, um, but it's something that you seem like you're willing to do. And (laughs) as uncomfortable as it is and as difficult, and even when you're going through seasons where it's just you're wrestling with God, Mm -hmm. um, you're one of those people that I picture your future in ministry and I just know that it's going to be fruitful. Um, and I know that God is going to multiply what you're doing because your heart is just, it's there. Like you are, uh, even if you feel far f- from God's will, your heart is aligned with his mm. and you are, you're seeking his face and, and hearing your story. There has been like, there was no reason for you to be where you are, but because of the grace of God in your life, you're here. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful for it. I know we all are. And just the, the things that you bring to the table, the things that you bring to work and our our classes, um, you're so insightful. And so whatever you do in ministry, I think it's going to be brilliant. I think you're going to increase the knowledge of every congregation that you enter into and every relationship. And yeah, so I'm really grateful to know you and I'm grateful that you get to share your story with all these students who are just wrestling with their call. And I think it's it's really valuable. Yeah. I hope it, I hope it helps somebody, even if it's just one person, guys, thank you so much for those affirmations. I mean, that means more than, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So um, how can we pray for you? I guess just that, uh, continuously, um, that God's voice, well, that I'd be able to tune my ears to God's voice, uh, more than all the other frequencies that are out there. And that, uh, that he'd help me in my unbelief as Rodri was talking about today. Um, that the trust and faith I have in God would continue to grow. That's good. Well, I'm going to pray for you and then we'll go into the last little bit. Um, Lord, I just thank you so much for Griffin and 
the person that just he has become over the years and even as he's just talked about fighting the odds lord so many times even the world tries to put these like statistics against us lord saying that it's it's so unlikely but lord it's just a testament of griffin's an example how nothing's impossible with god that no one's too far gone or someone's not in too broken of a situation that they can't live out the calling that you have on their life. And Lord, I, I just think of, um, as Griffin was talking about in Philippians 1, that the Lord has begun a good work in him and he will fin- He will finish that until the day of completion. And I just can't wait for Griffin for that day where he can begin to see that good work begin to develop. And he can see that day when Jesus Christ comes back and he looks at Griffin and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. So powerful, Lord, to be your servant. And God, just as he goes forward, I pray that Griffin keeps with the words of even Philippians 1.21, where it says, for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. For him to live is Christ. Lord, you have entered into Griffin's heart. And may he know as he lives for the rest of his life, in that abundant life in you, that real living, real purpose, real calling, real life happens when we are in you. And when we leave this time, one day it's our gain because then we can really be in the full glory of your presence. So as he goes forward in ministry, I pray that over him, that he just stays determined and also centered in you. And I know that you will give him the discernment. You will give him the hope that he needs to take on all these things. And I just pray a hedge of protection because I know that the enemy hates people like Griffin, but the enemy has lost the battle. We know he has. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Griffin, thank you so much for sharing your story and letting me take your seat today at the head of the table. Um, For all our listeners, thanks for joining the Coffee and Calling podcast. All the music today was done by the band Caledonia, so you can get more information about them in our show notes, or you can find them at Official Caledonia on Instagram and soon to be on Spotify. Thank you so much for listening. Love you guys. Thanks. Bye. Stay in that state of twilight.